Hello, and welcome to episode 11, all about the Council of Elrond, chapter 2, book 2 of Fellowship of the Ring, being the 11th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined by Buddy Duquesne and Alice White of Those Happy Places. Welcome. Hey, good for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. um, Listeners, I actually got connected with Buddy on Twitter because several weeks ago I tweeted asking about who owns the rights to Lord of the Rings and why the heck there isn't a theme park. (laughs) <laughs> yet for Lord of the Rings, because it seems so like self-intuitive that there should be one. And then you replied with like a glorious thread of just all these ideas. Yeah, that's a that's a Twitter hobby of mine is when when I get an idea and I really want to expand on it, I write what should probably be on another website, but in tweets. Uh, and it goes on for way too long. And thank you for your patience with that. If it uh, <laughs> sent a but of no- a bunch of notifications your way, I, I do apologize. <laughs> it was like a like a multi day adventure watching Buddy yeah. tweet about a Lord of the Rings theme park. It was a uh... It's yeah, he's very good at it. It was so great. It was so great. I was like, someone needs to like, have you guys like, oh, listeners, for those of you that don't know, their podcast is about um, theme parks and just talking about how, why don't you guys explain it? Well, those happy places we, we like to say is the podcast that treats theme parks, rides and attractions like literature. There's a lot of design and a lot of work that goes into making theme parks and theme park rides, but they don't seem to have a space um, like movies and books do where you can like analyze them or, or talk about the symbols and the meanings and, and the, and the effects that they use. And so we decided to create that space um, where it, we could take a ride or an aspect of a ride and break it down into parts and explain how effective it is in telling stories. Yeah, and sometimes we talk about uh, little things like one moment in one ride, or sometimes we just talk about one ride or attraction, and sometimes we talk about the really big things. Um, our most recent episode is about rainbow capitalism and its relationship to the Disney parks. And that is a doozy of an episode uh, and kind of one of our largest conceptually. Um, and a smaller one was like about Star Tours and how much we really like it. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of a, a kind of a whole range of like academic to less, less academic and more um, more singularly focused in general. Yeah, it's not just Disney either. We do Universal and Six Flags and Knott's Berry Farm and all sorts of all, all sorts of theme parks and and the just the general idea of a themed uh, space. So that's what we talk about. So that's why when and and as big Lord of the Rings fans, when somebody said on Twitter, "What about a Lord of the Rings theme park?" Buddy just went, "Oh, I know, I know what to do," and then just yeah. tweeted like crazy. It's like a combination of of some of uh, some of our favorite things. Yeah, I think um, my favorite part is the Mordor ride is just always closed because you can't go into Mordor. <laughs> you can't walk into Mordor. You cannot simply <laughs> walk into Mordor. <laughs> yeah, like that would be the probably like the most epic ride there. But I love the just the the gag of well, you can't go in there because you just cannot simply walk into Mordor. (laughs) Whatever you're imagining in the Mordor ride is true about the Mordor ride. And that's why you can never ride it because that would just collapse it into one possibility. It's a a quantum ride. And that's the point. (laughs) 
Yeah, so normally this is where I would ask an internet question, but this chapter is so dense that I'm going to skip that today. But if you have a fun question um, or a topic or whatever that you want discussed on the podcast, you can send a DM to Twitter or Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. So jumping into this chapter, this is chapter two of book two of Fellowship of the Ring, the Council of Elrond. And I told one of my friends, I think it was this morning or yesterday, I was like, so I just finished Council of Elrond. And she goes, oh, so you got over the hump. It's <laughs> a really good way to put it. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, but you were talking about how you started reading the book and then gave up here, right? Well, yeah. As as my uh, backstory about like my expertise might imply, I read a lot when I was a kid, and I thought I could handle any book. And I picked up The Hobbit and blew through it in like a couple of weeks. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to read the real ones now, right? Because The Hobbit's like a prequel and simpler. And this is the chapter that stopped my first read through of the Lord of the Rings uh, books. This one, mm-hmm. I, I just could not do it. Too many characters in one yeah. place, too oh many gosh. descriptions, too much history, too many, uh, like, too much foreshadowing for things that later would become significant, but for now sound like nothing. Yeah. Um, and and I remember very specifically reading like a paragraph about Legolas's cloak and how it was different than the other elves' cloak and being like, <laughs> I can't keep reading this. Uh, and and that's a shame because listening to it today as an audiobook in preparation for this episode, this episode or, or this this chapter rather is off the chain. It's really good. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, the audiobook is um, the link that you tweeted to the version of it on YouTube. That's the correct version, listeners. That's the version you should listen to. <laughs> it's I, so good. Uh, it's, it's the... I, I mean, granted, I have not listened to the other version of the audiobook that's on Audible, but this version of the audiobook is amazing because it mixes in uh pieces of the soundtrack from the movies and the voice i don't know narrator actor i don't know what you call an audiobook narrator but he's amazing and it's just perfect yeah it even seems like there's multiple voice actors uh kind of cut in and out and there's just really great deliveries on a lot of lines and it made a lot of the things about this chapter that make it so dense as text uh really gripping because of the performances yeah yeah so chapter two kicks off with frodo Feeling much better from his near-death experience. With He's ready the... for anything. <laughs> yes. In fact, he wants to go, like, he makes a comment to Gandalf that he wants to go, like, frolic in the, the trees in the mountains. He's like, it's such a nice day. Can I go for a walk? And Gandalf is like, um, we have this matter of an evil ring that we have to deal to deal at right now. So maybe you can go climb trees later. <laughs> Well, the hobbits are notoriously bad at uh, knowing the urgency of a situation, yes. right? Uh, all the way, th- <laughs> all the way through the book so far, they have been like, "Ah, we can rest here for a couple of days. What's the harm?" And this is just <laughs> another example of that. Usually, Frodo's the serious one, though, isn't he? Yeah, but I think a near-death experience will really bring anyone to be like, "Wow, I just want to enjoy my life right now." And 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 I like find really it- running a stream and yeah. <laughs> 
I really yeah, like the, exactly. the line, I feel he, ready for anything. Because he's sitting there like, like, I'm ready for anything. And he does not really know what he's getting up to, does he? Well, this is the chapter where, where Frodo implies that his journey is over. And he's like, well, that's the end of my story. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the previous chapter, when he wakes up from his near-death experience, he actually, I don't know if he says it out loud or if he just thinks it, but he sa- he's like, I quite, I think I've had enough adventure. I- I'm ready to go home now. And Gandalf <laughs> yeah. is like, oh, child. Oh, you, honey. <laughs> you have so much more left. But also just like talking about the hobbits not knowing when something is urgent in, um, I think it's between chapter two and three, Gandalf has told Frodo that the ring is evil. It needs to be destroyed. And Frodo's like, okay, cool. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the Shire at once. And then it time jumps like four months later and he's still just sitting there. Like, yeah. And Gandalf was yet. like, I said soon. Yeah. You, you heard that part. <laughs> yeah. But that is so soon for a hobbit. Like that is like it's four months. That's like not enough time to plan, he says. Like, yeah. I've got a I I have I need like at least a year. <laughs> and because that's how hobbits roll, man. Yeah. And he also had to wait for his birthday to be over so he could have one mm-hmm. last hoorah. So <laughs> so then we go into the bell rings, the official bell for the Council of Elrond, and they walk in, and we are introduced to I think like all of the characters that are left in the series. <laughs> so many yeah and it's so funny because the whole first half of the book i've been like okay when are we gonna meet some new people let's get this ball rolling and we met aragorn slash strider and i was thrilled i was like all right we've added another person to the party let's do this we are introduced to so they walk in and they're introduced to a younger dwarf oh i editor's note I did not listen to the audiobook of the previous chapter and that episode, which hasn't come out at the time of recording this, but will be out at the time that this comes out. Anyway, we had a whole conversation about like, yeah, it's definitely pronounced glowin because the accent oh. is on the O. And then in the audiobook, <laughs> it's pronounced gloin. So definitely gloin. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. as longtime uh, knowers of how it was said out loud in the movie, <laughs> yeah. um, we can confirm that it was gloin. Okay. The son of cool. gloin is, yeah, how he's introduced in the, uh, you, yeah, it's easy. If you hear it from yeah. the film or, <laughs> Uh, or how I remember my first introduction to to Gloin would have been the animated version of The Hobbit, the like 1970s animated Hobbit, where they introduced I, all of the Hobbits in a row. I and, cannot wait to look those up when I'm done. I'll read all of the books first, and then I'll do the movies, I guess. And then I want to do that that cartoon series. If it's you have still- to. If it's still out there, I want to do it because all I've seen are like insane looking screenshots mm-hmm. uh, or, or pictures from it. I'm like, this looks great. There there it's are phenomenal. very cool things about all of the animated things, uh, especially the Bakshi. Um, I think that's Fellowship and Two Towers that Bakshi did, right? Those are really good. He did return. Did he? I think so. Oh, okay. um, and The Hobbit. He does. I'm pretty sure he does them all. And some of them are just so yeah some of the character designs are so out there but the hobbit is easily the best one and the songs that get written for it are so good it's just it's very excellent and that really does help with pronunciation because you meet gloin and in here you've got also uh they they reference uh 
uh, Balin and Dwalin as well, who are um, who are also members of the the Hobbit party from the Hobbit. Yeah, um, they're, yes. they're important. The, the dwarves have interesting names. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So they introduce Gimli, which. I didn't remember was a name that I remembered from the movie until I read it. So I was like, okay, that sounds familiar. There's Aristor, the chief. Galdor is an mm-hmm. elf. And then, of course, there's our homeboy, Orlando Bloom, Legolas. <laughs> Legolas is here. He's in the house. Finally. Thank God. She's <laughs> to also... save us from all of this. Yes. <laughs> And then there's also a bunch of other characters that have names that I don't want to try and pronounce right now. Oh, sure. And then you have the important ones. Yeah. And then there's Boromir. Oh, Boromir yeah, is Boromir. pretty important. I, I mean, he's not actually important, but him thinking that he's important is important. I was going to say, he seems very <laughs> sure of himself for someone who maybe shouldn't be so sure of himself. Yeah, I was and- kind of thrown away reading this with like really kind of like thrown sorry thrown off or blown away not thrown away. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I was really um, puzzled because they introduce him as just a man of the south, Boromir, but he's the son of the steward of Gondor. Like he's he's an important he is an important dude. He's kind and- of a big deal, but I think the council, the way that it's written, kind of emphasizes how not a big deal he is. On this I think scale, that's if that prejudice makes sense. against men, honestly, like <laughs> For sure. they're like, oh well, we're elves and dwarves and wizards and hobbits. Like, oh, you're just a man. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is that I'm assuming that anyone who is currently at this meeting is a big deal. Like, yes, they have to be pretty important, I think, to be here listening to all this and, and catching up on the whereabouts of the ring. Which I will say, if this chapter is like, it's like one of those episodes in a sitcom where the episode starts at like the end of the events from that episode. And then you kind of like trace back what happened beforehand that led all of the characters to like start fighting at the party or something to be like, I don't know, freeze frame. Yep, that's me. I bet you're wondering <laughs> how, how got I got here. here. <laughs> yeah. And it keeps, um, I'm thinking in particular of, there's this episode of How I Met Your Mother where it shows like what happens. It's a party and it shows what happens in the dining room, what happens in the living room and what happens in the kitchen. I don't know what your thoughts and feelings are on that show. The the episode that I kind of come back to is a community episode uh, where where they're constantly remembering different things that they've done throughout the year that don't necessarily connect directly to the current events, but that kind of establish a a history and a um, an attitude the the way that the groups would work together kind of yeah it's like Uh, a clip show episode episode it's called uh, paradigms of human memory and it's a it's I love community. It's a it's a clip show episode where they keep flashing back to things that have already happened, but none of the things that they flash back to happened on the show. Yeah. It's just like it's filling in the blanks of like extra things that we know now that they've got gotten up to between episodes and it and it fleshes out their connection and their history and stuff like that. And that the idea of of shows using this this technique that uh, this literary technique of like non-linear storytelling, Gandalf gets like 17 pages in this oh my chapter. Gosh. And he like ends his tale by saying like, 
apologies for talking so long. I'm going to stop now. Oh, and everyone's Tolkien. like, thank you. Like, <laughs> Thanks, he Gandalf. knows. Tolkien knows. God. He's like, I have made my story too long. And I'm like, you think? Like, you oh could have maybe summed that up. Like, Which, by the way, Saruman's bad now. <laughs> yeah. And so the the meeting kicks off with this line that I highlighted that says, not all that was spoken and debated in the council need now be told, which means that there is even more that happened at this meeting <laughs> that we don't read about. So, Absolutely. Good Lord. I can't even imagine how long this episode, this um, chapter would be in episode if, when I was, if he included everything. When I was listening to the audiobook, I was doing a little research and apparently a quote from people Peter Jackson said that this could have been its own movie, just this chapter. Like he could have oh just God. really yeah. gone for it and included every character and what they said and what they did. And in the movie, it is what, 20 minutes almost, the Council of Elrond? It's Oop. it's pretty long. There's Uh-oh. these flashbacks are in there, though they're not as uh they're not as robust as these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Anyway, so the first thing of substance that we kind of hear about or get an update on is Gloin, as I'm now going to have to force myself to say, um, (laughs) uh, gives us an update about the, you know, honestly, I can see how this chapter really could be like, at least if it was like a TV series, the section where Gloin is talking about what happened in the dwarf version of this event and on their side of like this could be a whole episode of him talking about what happened with the dwarves and then uh Gandalf talking about what happened with him and then Aragorn and then anyway so Gloin says basically that a uh servant uh or a writer came from Mordor to try and make a deal with the dwarves to give up information about the hobbits in exchange for the dwarf-made rings from yesteryear or whatever. (laughs) And (laughs) they know that the dwarves, or assume, I guess, that the dwarves know something about hobbits because of, I mean, I'm assuming because they know that some of the dwarves had adventures with Bilbo back in the day. Um, which I have not read. That's I'm. If I could go back and start this podcast from the beginning, I might just start with the Hobbit. <laughs> there truly is a lot, especially this chapter. There's a lot of like, and then Bilbo recounted his adventures that need not be recounted here. And I'm like, well, I'd like to hear a little bit, please. <laughs> Some details at all. I think I think it's not that important other than to know that Bilbo went on a pretty successful adventure um, and that he's a little bit famous for it. Uh, yeah, like and, I've, and I've a, got the gist of it. And a little bit way rich too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of it a lot of it way rich but, but and he, he, yeah. I think like He's a little way way rich famous and um and and actually there's this really cute bit right at the end of this chapter where Bilbo says, uh, oh, all right, fine. I guess you're talking about me. I guess I'll go. And Boromir starts laughing um, and then realizes that everybody's taking Bilbo dead seriously, which I think is the most precious thing. Um, yeah. Because they all, Boromir doesn't know anything about hobbits. He didn't even know what a halfling was. And and then so what, the fact that everybody takes the halflings really seriously is just so fun 
Yeah, Bilbo's um, almost legendary, especially Bilbo because with, he's very famous. With some of the with some of the council, he's almost legendary, and and he's at least known to most of them. And I think everybody there knows that his his offer is not that serious, but out of respect for old. his past exploits, uh, <laughs> yeah. they're like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, and it's also when we get to that point, it's also like. I don't know. It's kind of, it's like a, a joke and I don't know why I keep referencing sitcoms, but <laughs> I guess that's my language or whatever today is speaking your, your through MO. sitcom troops. Yeah. But it, I don't know. There's like that a joke about like, and I think we all know who's going to be prom queen. And then it's like, all right, I'll I'll nominate myself for prom queen. It's like, no, no one was talking about you. We were talking about Sherry, obviously. And it feels like that. We're, we're at the end. Bilbo's like, okay, obviously the halfling we're talking about is me. So I'll go. And I think it's either Gandalf or um, Elrond or someone is like, no, it's not you. <laughs> Yeah, well, Gandalf gives him, Gandalf gives him, he says, like, listen, of course, like, of course you want to go. We totally get it. But you know, you know, you cannot. You you know better. It's such an easy out. Like, he's just like, Bilbo, yeah, you'd totally be great. But you got this book, my dude, you got to write your book. Uh, And Bilbo's (laughs) like, oh, fine, I guess I won't go on this adventure. But my my nephew, he's pretty good. Nah, he lets lets Frodo speak for his own self. It's my favorite part of this chapter. Uh, But we can get there. We can. Yeah, we're not not quite there yet. So, yeah, so we learn, we get this update from Gloin that, yeah, they um, were given an offer to give up information about the hobbits in exchange for the dwarf rings, which probably wouldn't serve them any good use if they got the rings back anyway, because they would just be under the command of Sauron. So I'm assuming they turned, I think he, like, they turned that offer down. And then, oh, This is also, I don't know if I knew this or I don't know if I already knew this or if this is something that like was said or told earlier in the book and I just skimmed over it or didn't remember. But the, so the rings were forged in the second age and currently there is the Lord of the Rings Prime series, Amazon Prime series in the works and there Mm -hmm. are rumors supposedly that the series will be about the second age. So I don't know. I just think that's interesting for my brain to make those connections that like, oh, that's why people are thinking maybe it's in the second age because that's when the rings were forged. That's when this huge thing kind of began. Yeah. The fun thing about the ages is that they... um, the, the the length of the ages are, are very uh are variable. An age is not a set amount of time. Um I do believe that like the second age was thousands of years. Like yeah. so there's a lot of time period to to cover in the in the second age. But according to and now I don't remember uh how it's stated in the book, but according to my memory of the film, is that uh that the ring the ring after uh Isildur lost it was missing for three two and a half thousand years i think yeah two and a half thousand years and then and then Gollum had it for another 500 years so yeah so it has been fully three thousand years since yeah. the uh the events of of uh of the rings being forged or longer 
Um, yeah. So, but and I also heard that the Amazon series might be about Aragorn, and that dude, he's only eighty. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to cover <laughs> all of the events all, or <laughs> yeah, and all you know, all of this about the about the series is just uh, you know like rumors and talk going around the internet, the internet, because the only things I think that we know are the team that they've assembled because they released this very fancy video going through the writers and the creators and there's like some people from Game of Thrones and some other fantasy series and then there are some Tolkien experts there are people from the original films and then the other piece of news is that oh what's his name oh I cannot remember his name it's the kid from We're the Mill from We're the Millers oh um, he's so good cast in it and he has a weird looking face and he He's was in the most fabulous eyebrows. Um, and he was in um, the one of the Narnia movies. Will Palter. That's it. That's his name. Will Palter. And some people were doing side by sides of, I think, him currently. And then I think a young version of the actor who played Elrond. And apparently they look similar and they're like, mm, a young, a young <laughs> Elrond, perhaps. And I'm like, no, I don't see it. Like, they're going to have to do no, a lot for me to not see him as the kid from Where the Millers. <laughs> here's the problem is that that if Elrond looks like Hugo Weaving, then young Elrond just looks like Hugo Weaving. Like it he, he's... <laughs> Hugo Weaving was was at the battle. He was with Isildur at the battle. Oh true. And he's he, he's he's <laughs> because elves are ageless and uh he just has looked like Hugo Weaving probably since the day he was born. Yeah. <laughs> he just came out Which, looking like Hugo Weaving. Yeah, it's... I was gonna say question, like how do because elves are like they don't do they age but they're eternal or they have I mean not eternal immortal so they don't die so that implies so are they just like ever aging are like are there elf babies <laughs> and if there are elf babies how did the babies grow if the, like the elves are constantly described as being ageless right they don't so, they don't age at all um and i think a big, are they just born old people <laughs> i think i think they can they grow up um but we don't we don't see elf babies in the story and i think it's because all the elves are leaving and that's like that's brought up a couple of times uh in the book so far that the elves are just they're on their way out the number of elves is actually always going down um, meanwhile, the number of men is always going up because they're actively multiplying. And I think elves are kind of done with that. Uh, Alice maybe knows more about this than I do. There is almost no, almost nothing about, about el known about elves and like how they grow up. You can't even just go by like the movies because, because they all look like, like Hugo Weaving or Liv Tyler or Orlando Bloom. <laughs> um, they're all like full grown adults but none of them get any older than like 50 or however old Hugo Weaving was when they filmed it. I don't, it's, impo it's impossible. It's, there's no way to know. Elrond is one of the oldest elves though. Like yes, he's, he's, he's been, been around longer than ever. many of them. Yeah. And I think Frodo asks him to like, at one point he's talking about the battle where Isildur cuts off Mm -hmm. someone's hand and gets the ring. Yep. That was Sauron's Sauron. hand. Yeah. Was it Sauron? Okay. Yeah. 
Isildur cuts the ring off of Sauron's hand. Yeah, and um, steals the ring. And Frodo's like, you were there? And 3,000 years well, before, yeah. I'm, I am pretty old, so yeah. Or no, Frodo says something like, you remember that? And he's like, I mean, yeah. Uh, yes, I'm I an do. elf. I was there when the courage of men failed. I was there 3,000 years ago. Yeah, I can I can hear it in his voice. It's so good. Um, Destroy oh it. man! Uh, the, the thing but, is um, that this this whole scene in the movies is so iconic. We've already said lines from it that aren't really in the book. Like from before when we were talking about Boromir, like he doesn't say "one does not simply walk into Mordor" in this, and I know. it devastated me. I was waiting me. for it. <laughs> um, I was waiting for and it. And some of these flashbacks are, are the same way for me. Like Elrond shouting "Isildur, destroy it!" But like. It's not there in the story, is it? It's not. But he does say in in this chapter, El- Elrond cites his um, cites his lineage of like the highest elves. Like Arendil is like like the highest elf, and with connections to to Baron and Luthien as well. He says he is. I've seen three ages in the west of the world, and many defeats and many fruitless victories. So like. Elrond's been around for for three whole ages. We're in the third age now. Like he's been around since always. Yeah, um, he's he's seen some Shire. He knows <laughs> yeah. the lore, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> and also, we get in the like. I think it's the previous chapter. What's her name? The Lady Elf Arwen. Arwen, love Arwen. That's it. Yeah. They like make a note that she looks like she has the uh, I don't know life of Luthien within her. It was a, it was as if Luthien was walking again. And mm-hmm. then there's there was some kind of foreshadowing, sort of between the story that Aragon. Er, God, I keep doing that. <laughs> I keep saying Aragon instead of Aragorn. Oh, oh one, one thing that has helped me separate the two names is uh, saying Aragorn as. As pretentiously as possible. Uh, imagine that you're Vigo Mortensen and say it with all of the uh, uh, accent that he musters every time he speaks. So you have to say, I am Ergon. Ergon. <laughs> like how Orlando, Bl- Orlando Bloom says it in the uh, when he's when he he stands up all dramatically and says, um, "This is no mere ranger. He is Ergon, son of Erethorn," and like really <laughs> roll that R, like really hit it hard. Don't roll it. Don't roll it too hard, but roll I was it. Say, a little. I cannot. Ro- I cannot roll my R's. Ergon. This is Ergon. 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 Perfect. Uh, That's perfect. Aragorn. So, yeah, Aragorn earlier in the book tells the story of Luthien and Baron. And then in the previous chapter, he has a moment, I think, with Lady Arwen. Mm -hmm. And and so I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's a connection. And then we also, yeah, and then at some point in this long chapter with so many names, Elrond says, like, my mother's father was the son of Luthien. So this is confirmation of his of his lineage and also Arwen's lineage that they are from Baron and Luthien and that they were yes. it wasn't cuz when he was telling the story or, earlier I was like I don't know if this is just like elvish folklore and just a fun story or if these were like real people. So yeah, there's a lot of lineage talk. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of, of lineage talk. Oh my god! Like I, where is it? I wrote down a note 
about, oh yeah, my third note that I wrote down when started reading this chapter, I put prediction. I'm going to ride the struggle bus all the way through this chapter with all the names and places. And oh, yeah. I, there's yeah. just so, and the, there's just a lot. There's a lot. And is, I don't even and- know if we're going to be able to like talk about it all in depth in this episode because we would be here forever. (laughs) Names and places are so important to Tolkien. Um, And and especially when he talks about how names, uh, um, how the name of a place changes. Um, There's a, um, right after uh, Elrond is introducing himself and his lineage, there's a paragraph here where they talk about how um, uh, Minas Ethel is now called Minas Morgul um, Minas uh, Anor is now named Minas Tirith, um, and uh, and then he says also, what's over here? That that the that the mountain that they used to call Orodrin is now called Mount Doom, um, yeah. because uh, because of all of these names, especially the Elvish names that have now been like corrupted by the Mordor, by the you know by yeah. Sauron and and the people of Mordor, and that is so so important to Tolkien that he he dwells on it so much because to him names are are invaluable names give the power to a thing and uh and when Boromir says like oh you know that's what happened to the ring when Isildur cut it off of the finger of who we who whom we do not name he doesn't say Sauron's yeah. name he can't and it's because yeah because yeah, they gives power to it Voldemort reference exactly in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly because fear, fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself and all that <laughs> yeah yeah um, and um, actually I highlighted um, they're talking about the history of what I'm assuming are the two towers. Um, And it says, Minas Ithil they built, Tower of the Rising Moon, eastward upon a shoulder of the Mountains of Shadow, and westward at the feet of the White Mountains, Minas Anor, or yeah, Anor, sure, let's go with that. They made Tower of the Setting Sun. And then they talk about how how Minas Ithil, the Tower of the Rising Moon, built on the Mountain of Shadows, was taken over by the evil people. And it's like, well, I could have predicted that. You built one on the Mountain of the Sun and one on the Mountain of the Shadows. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> the shadows creep in as they tend to do. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, my, and then, um, where is it? Yeah. Minus Ithil's renamed Minus Morgul, the Tower of Sorcery, and Minus Anor. Uh, is minus Tirith, the Tower of Guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Tolkien this- is not, he is just, I, I don't know, like bogged down in his own details sometimes. He is. Well, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a historian by trade, right? Like he's, he, and he. It's like, oh, geez, I couldn't tell from this chapter. <laughs> That's essentially like a mini history lesson. And, and yep. the history doesn't even have the courtesy of being any one particular period or time or understanding of history. It just is a bunch of history. And I think it's oh cool. Oh my gosh. Because it's so hard to depict like real history because that's how history actually is there's differing accounts and differing lengths of memory and stuff like that so the reason the dwarves know about this period and the reason the elves know about this period and the men don't know about this is interesting it's like a cool way to tell a story but it also doesn't lend itself to clarity does it um yeah (laughs) that's putting it lightly Um, so Gloin is, I think Gloin is still talking about the 
dwarves. Right. He talks about the expedition to um, the, the mines of Moria. Moria. The other thing that's confusing with this chapter is there's so many different there's so many different people. There will be like several paragraphs where it doesn't specify who is talking. So if you forget who's talking, you have to like go back up several paragraphs or turn to the previous page to be like, who is talking now? I, oh, I guess it's Boromir. Or even conversations within stories. So then you yeah. have you have Gandalf oh talking about what happened to him, but what he said and who's he and then you're, you're trying yeah, to like figure out. Oh my gosh. For like, I think once in the history of people who enjoy books, I feel like this chapter probably reads better on screen than it does on page. It's, think, a, it's a beautiful scene on screen. Yeah, I, I really I mean. do think that the movie scene captures the general gist really well, though some of the little details, like this whole thing about Moria is completely ignored. So Gloin talking about how, oh, my cousin Balin went to Moria. We're trying to reclaim the mines. A lot of our But we haven't heard have, from him in so long. It's been 30 years and nobody's nobody's gotten back to us we're starting yeah, to worry you think you would have like sent a messenger by then but whatever well, Tolkien plays it fast and loose with with time though because apparently Gandalf had nine years of adventures and he kind of sums it up at this uh at this meeting but like 30 years doesn't sound that long if you're a dwarf and you live like to 200 yeah and yeah they're trying to reclaim Moria and that's why the messenger from Mordor is like if you give us information you can have the rings and then you can reclaim Moria. And anyway, and so I think it's it's either Boromir or Gloin who says that they were given or it was, oh, it says in a, in a dream, they heard this mm-hmm. poem or riddle. Oh, that's, a, that's a Boromir thing. Is it Boromir? Okay, yep. okay, cool. Seek for yeah. the sword that was broken in Imla Dressed Dwells. There shall be counsels taken stronger than Morgul's spells. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand for Isildur's bane shall waken and the halfling forth shall stand. And Boromir's like, whatever could this mean? <laughs> and then Aragorn stands up and is like, surprise, it me. <laughs> yeah, it says, and here in the house of Elrond, more shall be made clear to you, said Aragorn, standing up. He cast his sword upon the table that stood before Elrond, and the blade was in two pieces. Here's a sword that was broken, he said. And who are you, and what have you to do with Minas Tirith, asked Boromir. He is Aragorn, son of Erethorn, <laughs> said Elrond. And he is descended through many fathers from Isildur's Elendil's... See, this is where the names just... Isildur. I, so there should be a comma there, probably. Isildur, comma, Elendil, son of Minas Ethel. So like, oh, Elendil, that helps so Elendil, Elendil is Isildur's father. Um, and so they were Elendil... Okay, it, it was okay. it was a complicated story, but Elendil got his butt whooped in that big battle. But then yeah. Isildur picked Isildur up that sword, picked up his uh, father's sword that was that broken. broke, yeah. and used that sword to cut off the finger of Sauron that had the ring on it, thus yeah. quote unquote defeating Sauron. Um, but or obviously, so they thought. So they thought yeah. temporarily <laughs> defeating Sauron. It's like, that gif of there's a huge crack in the wall and someone comes over and puts like a piece of duct tape over it. <laughs> that's <laughs> enough. Like, yeah. That'll fix it. <laughs> yeah. That'll fix I it. Mean, and it worked for like 3,000 years. Yeah, so. to be fair, that's a pretty good band-aid. Like it, it worked <laughs> yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did hold them. And it's funny because now we've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, so this is the thing that I've seen so many tattoos of on Instagram. There are a lot of Lord of the Rings tattoos with... Or, um, the oh, broken 
swords. Oh, the, the shards sword. of Narsil. Yeah, the blades. Yeah. And, the blade is called Narsil. <laughs> yeah, which is... And, yeah. And so actually, one of my earlier guests has this tattoo, and she got it. Actually, so I interned at their publishing company this time a year ago. And while I was there, she got this tattoo, and she was explaining to me like the history. And she's like, yeah, so this sword is all about this character's like lineage and his fate and everything that he has to live up to. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, And so, now it's all starting to make sense. <laughs> yeah, which I have to say is another running theme throughout this chapter of... So there's been a lot of moments uh, throughout all the episodes up until now where I've said, like, I'm sure this will make sense later. Well, now things make sense later. Now that is, is now. later. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, in particular, there's one of the dreams that Frodo has about a man in a tower and I was like okay I'm sure that's one of the two towers or something and that's Gandalf obviously and I don't know if he I guess he wasn't in one of the two towers so that prediction was wrong but oh he was <laughs> pretty much every time every yeah. every time Frodo is like I had a vision of a of a tall figure bathed in white and I'm like oh okay it was Gandalf probably, probably Gandalf uh he was <laughs> Gandalf was trapped at the top of a tower but but Frodo had it wrong right because Frodo's like, oh, I saw that. I saw you being trapped at the top of the tower in my dream. And Gandalf's like, oh, you got that vision way too late because I was yeah. gone. <laughs> he's I like, was already oh. on it. Yeah, already on like, Shadowfax yeah, so. the horse, like coming back, man. <laughs> yeah. So I guess kind of backtracking a bit. Yes, yeah, so Aragorn kind of reveals himself and Boromir is like, oh, so you're... The king, or will be the king, I'm assuming. And you have this broken sword. And then who is the halfling? And then Bilbo says um, Aragorn's poem, I guess, to like mm -hmm. prove that he really is Aragorn. I don't know. It's just kind of like, oh, and who are you? H how are we supposed to believe that you're really Aragorn? Well, and then Bilbo says the poem. Not, and it's like, oh, that clears things not up. Not all that is gold glitters. Or, um, all that is glow does not glitter. Not right. all those who wonder. And then, and then Bilbo sits down and, and like nudges Frodo and is like, you like that? Because I just came up with it. I just wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, good. And so, yeah. So then Bilbo goes into his story and tells his side of what happened in The Hobbit, which I will read about later. <laughs> you will. And like... Probably a year or so. I don't know. It's pretty good that uh, Bilbo has to keep apologizing for lying about this story for like 70 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he... Oh, well, first of all, he starts off... Gandalf is like, okay, Bilbo, I think it's time that you talk about what happened while you had the ring. And Bilbo's like, mm, I'm kind of hungry. Can we get lunch first and then I'll talk? And Gandalf is like, Bilbo, just <laughs> do it. The faster just, you talk, the faster you get lunch. Now say the story yeah it is just like uh, it's such a hobbit moment to be like mm, it's like almost 11 already i think it's time for more food now <laughs> and perfect. yeah and then yeah and then he finishes or i don't know if i can't remember if it's as he's talking before he begins or when he finishes, but he says, yeah, he's like, and um, this may or may not sound different from what you've already heard. And he gives Sorry like a good that. look at Gloin. He says, he, he's like, 
Uh, yeah, if you've heard it told differently, Gloin, um, I, uh, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> Gloin yeah. specifically is sitting next to him, and Gloin please. was there the whole time and didn't know any of it. Like, I know. <laughs> Gloin saw it all except for the parts where nobody saw what happened so Bilbo could lie about it. I, 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 I never really got from, like, the movie or from The Hobbit that Bilbo was this big of a liar. Like that he was going to he was going to maintain this lie to everyone for so long. Uh, well, yeah, I think he, he kind of mentions it a little bit, I think, maybe at the beginning of, of Fellowship when when he, you know, he's slipping the fin- the ring on his finger without telling nobody. And Frodo doesn't even really know he has it. Like they're like, yeah, I guess it's a ring or whatever. But like, I don't really know where he got it. And he just. Yeah. And that throughout the he does throughout the Hobbit. He lies dead to Gandalf. He looks Gandalf in the eye and is like, I found it. And that's the truth. And Gandalf goes, okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I got other stuff going on. I can't. Yeah, it's like, this is the least of my concerns right now. This hobbit lying about how he got this ring. We'll, we'll deal with that later. And then Frodo, so after Bilbo finished, sorry, I'm reading back in the book. They speak right after another. Bilbo gets a whole paragraph here in this... 30 page long chapter. Bilbo gets a paragraph and Frodo gets a paragraph yeah. to cover all yeah. of the Which stuff. Which I will that say, I am thankful that like we don't actually have to read Frodo recounting what happened because we already know what happened because it was exactly, you know, 250 pages worth of of things that happened. But anyway, yeah. So when he, Frodo finishes talking, Bilbo says, not bad. You would have made a good story out of it if they hadn't kept on interrupting. I tried to make a few notes, but we shall have to go over it all again together sometime. If I am to write it up, there are whole chapters of stuff before you ever got here. (laughs) Yes, it made quite, it made quite a long tale, answered Frodo. And I'm like, Tolkien, is that a fourth wall break? <laughs> yeah, he's like, we're on page 243 here. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> am, I, <laughs> am I going to get to the end of what's the last one? Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And it was actually Bilbo being like, and that's the story of my nephew Frodo. Listen, do you want you, to know? You asked do, you us want, to not do you want to know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can plead the pit. <laughs> Pleading the fifth on this one for sure. Yeah. But the the full title of The Hobbit is There and Back Again, A Hobbit's Tale and By Bilbo Baggins. By Bilbo Baggins. So so just to give you like a an idea of where we're going here, of who who exactly is an author self-insert and who isn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I also like this idea that like in Bilbo's retirement, he's gonna be an author. So Yeah, and he's he's just gonna write the story all he ever wants to do is tell stories yeah he doesn't want to be a thief you guys he's trying to get rid of that reputation except (laughs) i'm gonna keep lying about this magic ring not anymore (laughs) gloin (laughs) bilbo is i don't know sometimes i love him and sometimes i'm like you are the worst he's he's a little (laughs) extra and a bit of a disaster Oh my, if, I don't know if you have recently read the first chapter or even the first half of the first chapter, but please go back and reread Bilbo's birthday party, especially the part where he gives the speech and does oh, a grand so exit. Good. It's so, that's the way that I want to like exit 
I don't know anything. Uh, like like that's how, that's how I that's how you leave a party. Like- my, my favorite part about that is that Gandalf helps. Like he plays along because Bilbo yeah. is just gonna vanish, but Gandalf like throws a firework up to like be like, yeah. boom, <laughs> I'm gone. Because Gandalf is yeah. like, oh, my buddy's gonna make a dramatic exit. I better help. Like- <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm gonna. Well, I'm here. I might as well entertain myself. And what's what's so, <laughs> so great about that good. scene is that he starts off so strong. He's like. Hello, I'm Eleven D One. Thanks for coming, anyways. And everybody's like, "Oh no!" And he starts to yeah. Bomb. And he spends an enti- his entire speech passive aggressively insulting everyone. I like half um, of you, half of you, half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. Yeah. <laughs> does that, oh, does that come out to I a compliment? To, yeah. <laughs> I need to. There's some meme someone sent me recently of it was that quote, and then there was the like meme of the. Uh, it's the blonde woman with like the math equations in front of her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's She's like trying, trying to figure <laughs> what That's happened. So good. But I think I think we do get a taste of that in this meeting too. Like Bilbo's like, I'm gonna stand up and do poetry when you least expect it, and everybody's <laughs> like, "That's our Bilbo." And <laughs> the difference between this and his party is that these guys are adventuring types who like him, and everybody at the party tolerates him because again he is kind of mega rich uh and he's finally among his people so this is where doing poetry in the middle of some dude uh being like who are you even like actually works Uh, so this is a different kind of society. Bilbo Bilbo belongs with these guys, I think. And I think that's why he feels emboldened at the end and stands up because he's like, yeah, calling out old Bilbo again. I get it. Because um, <laughs> it, it works for him. He likes it here. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so then they hold up the ring, gasp, big reveal, <laughs> except for Boromir, who is getting annoying at this point in the chapter, at least for me. Quite, he's like, but how do we know that's the ring? <laughs> And how do we know when, Aragorn, son of Arathorn? Yeah, how do we? Yeah, how do we know all this? And that's what Gandalf's um, story was really good for when he when yep. he talks about making it to just like the next page makes it to um, to Minas Tirith, and he talks to and he goes into the archives and everything, and he reads Isildur's firsthand account of how to identify the ring. So Gandalf gets to, you know, gets to, to step up and be like, hi, I'm a wizard. I know everything. I've read the firsthand accounts and I've known Aragorn since he was a kid. Just trust me on this one. And uh, and, and Boromir can sit back and go, oh, oh okay. okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And it's also, yeah, it's also at this point that we finally learn, we like learn uh, a bit about what Gandalf was doing. I think it, it's in between chapter one and two. It's either 17 or 19 years pass. And then Gandalf shows up. And all we know is that in that time, Gandalf has been doing research about the ring. And so this is where we learn about what some of that research was. And yeah, he reads the scroll. And then we're kind of, it's just for the entire first half of the book, it's been so much has been left unclear and we're in the dark about everything. And Gandalf is almost essentially useless. (laughs) 
and like uh, I don't know just utter confusion and chaos and you're like Gandalf couldn't you have like explained things a little bit better so it's finally nice to get some explanation and you know put together all the pieces and be like okay this is the picture we're looking at at, at this point it's not a great picture but at least we have the pieces yeah. and and then we also learned that Gandalf had enlisted Aragorn to help capture Gollum or go after Gollum and look for him. And I don't know. I guess I just don't understand why they felt the need to imprison him if he doesn't have the ring. Because in like, I feel like Gollum can't possibly be dangerous since he doesn't have the ring anymore. He's just like, he may not be a nice person, but like, why imprison him? Well... Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I feel like I want to plead the fifth, but I also want to kind of okay. like. I, I think their reasoning. They might even mention it here. Their reasoning being, if Gollum's in the wrong hands, they can okay. get more information out of. If if Sauron gets a hold of Gollum, they're gonna torture him for information. Information they don't want Sauron to have. Um, okay, cool. Is what I yeah because it says yeah. Uh, but it is beyond all doubt that Gollum went to Mordor, and there all that he knew was forced from him. Thus, the enemy knows now that the one is found, and that it is long in the Shire. And so, uh, so they they he uh. does say we were trying to get to Gollum before Sauron could, but Sauron got to him, and that's why the Nine knew where to find Frodo. Yeah, he's he's definitely still important, and he. I think there's still some of Gandalf that thought that maybe Gollum could be cured because I know that that's what Legolas said, right? He's like, we watched him night and day. We kept guards on him and we never put him underground because we knew that would be bad for him. And and we put him in trees yeah. and stuff. And we were just trying to rehabilitate this dude and it did not work out. Um, yeah. And um, where is it? Yeah. He says, but get, well, first backtracking a bit. Legolas jumps in the conversation is like, so um, this might be a good time to bring up that Gollum has escaped. <laughs> yeah. Like, job. why would you not mention that sooner? I feel like that would be some pretty important information if Gandalf and Aragorn were the ones involved in getting Gollum there. I feel like you should you like you should open with that. That's a conversation starter for sure. <laughs> hey, guys. So before anything else about the listen. We were given a job. It didn't listen. Listen, <laughs> we're attacked. Yeah, listen, it was an ambush. My favorite part about this Legolas section here is when Gloin pops in with, um, "When you put us in jail, you put us underground and treat yeah, us that's, bad." That's the funniest yeah. thing. That's um, actually what I was, yeah, that's what I was about to read. It says, but Ga this is like a list talking right now. It says, but Gandalf bade us hope still for his cure. And we had not the heart to keep him ever in dungeons under the earth where he would fall back into his old black thoughts. You were less tender to me, said Gloin with a flash of his eyes. And then Gandalf is like, all right, all right, we're going to be here for a while if we start bringing up the sordid past and history of elves and dwarves. So. Except we are already here for a while, Gandalf. Like, this was, this <laughs> was a jab. Ages. <laughs> I know. It was a solid oh jab, too, because... One. They real they were yeah that's Hobbit that's Hobbit talk. I was gonna but, say I'm assuming that happens some at some point in the Hobbit. Yes, and the it's very dwarves good. are captured and something isn't good. 
um, or treated nicely. So it's, it's yeah. just a, 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 a waylaid adventure. They uh, they get they get taken off of their adventure path for just yeah. a minute to get in prison yeah. by the elves. Li- it's just a short prison stay <laughs> a in a bit. basement, guys. <laughs> right? It's not that bad. And it was Legolas's dad who threw them in. And it's just it's a it's a solid it's a solid part of the story. But that's one of the things that I don't know I really appreciate about Tolkien in general is this. The ability for him, I mean, there's a lot going on, but he keeps it all straight and very consistent. Because if Legolas had mentioned the the dungeons and Gloin hadn't said anything, I would have been like, "Hey, Gloin, you wanna you wanna jump in there about the about your prison yeah. stay?" Or sounds pretty good. Um, you didn't get to climb trees while you were in prison. That's all I'm no, saying. No, you yeah. did not. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say that Tolkien does do a pretty decent job of when he does drop in those. Uh, Easter eggs and, you know, hints at The Hobbit, he does do a good job of like, if you read The Hobbit, you'll understand this and you'll get it more. If you haven't read The Hobbit, here's enough context for you to understand what this means at this moment. Like, it's not anything where like, there have been a couple times where I'm like, I mean, I'm assuming I'll get more clarity on this in The Hobbit, but it's not a big deal if I don't know about it right now. So he is... Very, um, like, imagine that <laughs> epiphany. Tolkien is a good writer, y'all. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I, I know Whoa. we have spent a little bit of time criticizing, but I think it's because there are idiosyncrasies to his writing that are kind of easy to criticize. But at the same yeah. time, these are some of the greatest, most popular stories ever told. And I think this is partially why, is that the world's so cohesive. And this chapter is hard to read in its length and its uh, and its density, but the sentences are, everybody talks so beautifully. Gandalf's story, when he is telling, that's the, the very next thing I think that happens, um, yeah. is that Gandalf goes into this tale and every sentence reads like poetry. It, it's so gorgeous. And that's why it's... When when you're like oh Tolkien like what are you doing with all this <laughs> with all these crazy things you pull but then you turn the page and you read this this gripping tale of the fall of Sauron in in like in poetry and it's beautiful yeah it's a great I chapter think, I'm flipping through I think there's like an entire passage that Gan- uh, Gandalf says that I like just highlighted to be like okay read this out loud. Yeah, so Gandalf is like, oh, Gollum's escaped. I mean, he may or may not be a part of Sauron's bigger plan, but honestly, we don't really have time for that right now. So, okay, (laughs) moving on. And then he launches into his tale of why the F he was gone for the entire first half of the book when he said he would be there with Frodo. And because up until now, we... Uh, All we learned is that Gandalf, uh, the reason he didn't return to the Shire to go with Frodo and gang to leave the Shire is because he received urgent news of some kind and couldn't go back. And we learn what that urgent news is. And then when Frodo wakes up, all he says is, I was held captive and that's all I'll say right now. And you'll learn soon enough. (laughs) Well, now we're going to learn you today, boy. <laughs> a lot of what happened to Gandalf. This so, this scene with Saruman is amazing. Uh, I love everything about it. It's scary and a little funny. I really like the part where Gandalf says, Saruman's like, oh, well, then I'll just keep you here. Uh, and Gandalf's like, 
oh yeah, I'd like to see you try. And Saruman's <laughs> like, it, I, I would, I would win. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's like, um, okay, I will try and I will win. It would be really so, easy for yeah, me. So, <laughs> so a messenger catches up with Gandalf and says, the nine are abroad again and the enemy is near. Enemies of the air, beware. And then he's like, oh, I'll go to Saruman. And then we get there. And also, I feel betrayed because he's Saruman the White. And up until now, Tolkien has been, like, he is not subtle in his use of descriptive language or just common symbolism and tropes and stuff. And up until now, anything that has been light or white is good. And anything that's dark or black is bad. And then we get here to Saruman the White. And he's turn dark, y'all. Plot twist. (laughs) Plot twist. And I actually had to, like, I went back to try and reread this because I'm like, am I just dumb? Or is he, I'm like, is Saruman not on his side right now? I think think there's really good language in there to kind of subvert that trope that he set up so far, right? Because, like, you're right, Tolkien's really unsubtle about this, but I think he's doing a little bit of self-critique here with Saruman and being like, the white page can be written on the white cloth can be dyed. Saruman was easily corruptible because of this supposed purity, which never existed in the first place. And I think that's what makes this moment so good. I think think that's why it affected you so deeply because like I knew it was coming and even I was like, oh wow, that's really good language that never made it into the movie. And it really explains why he turned in that visual language that Tolkien's so famous for. Yeah, so so Gandalf shows up and Saruman kind of gets a little dig at him and says, it has seldom been heard of that the of Gandalf the Grey sought for aid, one so cunning and so wise, wandering about the lands and concerning himself in every business, whether it belongs to him or not. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> I don't know if there's like some previous beef between Saruman and Gandalf or if this is just like Gandalf's reputation in general but at that moment I was like I do not foresee this conversation going well it's definitely Gandalf's reputation Uh, I mean there might be previous beef um, but like uh, I'll put this in vague terms so it's not a spoiler but there's definitely a point in the two towers where he rolls up to somebody who is like oh my god you again like you always come here meddling in other people's business, like, like go away, Gandalf. <laughs> um, uh, so it's it's definitely a common uh, a common thread when people among talk the, about Gandalf. Among the other wizards, I think even he's he's seen as somebody who's like way too active. The wizards are supposed to be really hands off. They're supposed to like take yeah. care of their business, and everybody else is supposed to kind of like listen to them or go to them for advice, but not the wizards are not supposed to actively intervene. They're definitely not supposed to like conquer a nation or raise an <laughs> army. So Saruman's like really in the bad there. But like yeah. Radagast, who who was the messenger that. Gandalf was talking to he's just like nature boy he's basically Tom Bombadillo light (laughs) and like he's not he's just a nature boy he He just just he just loves he just loves talking to animals and like 
pretending to be an animal, changing shape to be an animal. You know, he's just an animal guy. He likes the animals. And <laughs> and like Tom, uh, I mean, Tom Bombadil's the same way, even though he's not really a wizard. But like these great powers are supposed to be hands off. They're not supposed to meddle. And Gandalf always does. He's always like, yeah, uh, I heard there was a dragon. What if we fought it? <laughs> like he's always- and also like just the fact that he goes and I mean the introduction we have to Gandalf in this in this book is he's at he's in Hobbiton and he's doing the fireworks show for the Hobbits and yeah and he helps Bilbo with his great escape with the little with the, burst with the, of with the pyrotechnic yeah 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 he's like. I know that we're supposed to not do this, but I think it would be more fun for me personally <laughs> if I just, you know, messed with the Hobbs a little bit. And he's he's the only one that cares about the Hobbits at all. He's the only one that yeah. studied their their lore. So he's like very much involved with the people of Middle Earth where the rest of the wizards just aren't. It just, it really reminds me so much of... Dumbledore and Dumbledore sees so much uh, worth and value in befriend, you know, talking to the centaurs or making sure that the house elves and Hogwarts are well taken care of and being a kind of friend between different races and peoples Mm -hmm. because he knows that it's not just wizards and then everyone else. It's all a part of this magical world. And I just love Dumbledore a lot. (laughs) Dumbledore speaks Mermish. Like, that's cool. Um, Yeah. And and it's so similar. They're just so similar because Dumbledore is also thought of like, oh, he's just the kooky old wizard who, you know, like he eats he eats muggle candy and people think that's weird. And he (laughs) sees value in understanding things from the muggle world. Yeah. And and Gandalf smokes pipe weed with the hobbits and and Sauron has a (laughs) Sauron calls him out for it. Like, like you just all you do is smoke and eat and hang out with hobbits. Like, what's your problem? Um, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good time to me. I want to be a hobbit so bad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So he shows up with Saruman. And I love that you pointed out the use of how white can be changed because now I see Gandalf notices. It says, I looked then and saw that his robes, which had seemed white, were not so, but were woven of all colors. And if he moved, they shimmered and changed hues so that the eye was bewildered. Oh, and then Gandalf (laughs) Gandalf goes, I liked white better. (laughs) So sassy. He he knows he's outclassed. Yeah, Sarah Saruman's like, I am of many colors. And Gandalf's like, mm, I think white looked better, but okay. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, it, it's That's it's so Gandalf good. knowing, like, I'm not getting out of this, like, on my own terms. So I'm going to sass him just a little. Yeah. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to be sassy about it. <laughs> and then Saruman says, a new power is rising. Against it, the old allies and policies will not avail us at all. There is no hope left in elves or dying... Oh, Oh boy, it's a word. Numenor. Ah, Numenor. Uh, Numenor, did I say he's that like, correctly? He's like did. the original man. Um, okay. But, but the, yeah, that's the, what pe- I thought. the people of, of of Numenor. The Numenorians are Numenor is a uh, like a like a region, like a like a place uh, it, that the race of men kind of like sprung from. Uh, Aragorn okay, is cool. a direct descendant of the the people of Numenor. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. It's always it's always good and affirming to hear that like. 
I think I know what's happening here. So it's good to know, hear confirmation that like, yes, I am able to read at a basic reading comprehension level. <laughs> no, yeah, yes. you're, you're crushing it. <laughs> so Yeah, so he says, there's no hope left in elves or dying Numenor. This then is one choice before you, before us. We may join with that power. It would be wise, Gandalf. There is hope that way. So basically, this is where we learn that Saruman is like, I'm going to join forces with evil and get the ring for myself. And Gandalf is like, you fool. That's not really how this is going to work. Like, if you join forces with Sauron, he's not just going to give you a ring to co-host evil with him. (laughs) He says, like, why not? The ruling ring, if we could command that, then the power would pass to us. And again, that's just not what would happen at and, all. And I was, Sauron... I was in this moment waiting for Gandalf to say the line from the movie, which is, there oh, is only he, one, one Lord, of, Lord the of the Ring. Uh, and he does not share power. Wait, wait. <laughs> he says that, sorry, I've got to flip back. I think he says that in the previous the previous chapter. chapter. Oh, no way. There's only one Lord of the Ring. Yeah, that's he see. says the thing. He says the title of the thing. Oh, yeah. The movie yeah, title. yeah it's, in the, it's actually in the previous chapter. It's after Frodo wakes up and he walks out to see his friends and says, Hooray, cried Pippin, springing up. Here is our noble cousin. Make way for Frodo, Lord of the Ring. Hush, said Gandalf from the shadows at the back porch. Evil things do not come into this valley, but all the same, we should not name them. The Lord of the Ring is not Frodo, but the master of the Dark Tower of Mordor, which whose power is again stretching out over the world. So he doesn't say there is only one, one but he does say, ring. yeah, they do say they do say the title of the book, <laughs> or almost the title. Of the Love book. when they so drop says, that book title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They do um, it it's once. Like, they do it. He he says in once per film. They he does say it says uh, you shall be the fellowship of the ring, uh, the union of the two towers, and it says uh, and then he says something about um, and then we shall welcome the return of the king. Like literally in each film, they say the title of the film in it. Nice. It's so good. <laughs> nice. I do remember being a young child watching Sorcerer's Stone, like in the movie theater. And when they dis- the children discover what it is that's being kept hidden in-, in Hogwarts, they all like look at each other and they're like, the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh. And like my, let's see, how old was I then? I don't know. Just like 2001. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah and they're, I was like, oh my God, they said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nice when they say it. And so, so yeah, when he didn't so. say it in the book at that moment, I was um, devastated, uh, and, <laughs> and I had to stop listening and uh, take just take a break so that I could cry it out a little because that's a really good line. <laughs> yeah. So Gandalf is then captured, and uh, where are they actually? So they're in Isengard, okay. which is they're at Orthanc Tower in, in Isengard. Okay. It, it's uh, it's near. If you have the map, they're by Rohan. It's uh, in the south. In my version of the book, there is only a tiny version of the Shire. And then at the back, there's a map that is... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Here we go. I need I need a like large print. You know how 
There are some editions of books that are made with like giant fonts. Yes, that's what I need for a ma- for the map for the map of Middle Earth. So if you if you have the map called the West of Middle Earth, it's uh, divided into into four four quadrants here. Yeah, there's a there's a line of mountains, and right at the base of that line of mountains is Isengard. Um, it's like right in the okay. dead. Okay. Um. Yeah. So if you ride up mm. parallel from Isengard, up parallel along the mountains, you run into Rivendell. So. So it's a pretty okay. good Man, this is um this is some great conversation for an auditory podcast. <laughs> for a podcast yeah. <laughs> Listeners, uh, find a map and follow along. along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a map of Middle Earth. Just pick a map, any map, and find some mountains. So yeah, so Gandalf mentions that he was kept in a tower and there was very little, even very little room for him to pace. This is where Frodo jumps in and says, I saw you. You were walking backwards and forwards. And I like how he adds this note. The moon shone in your hair. Aww. And Gandalf looks at him and Frodo's like, I mean, it was it was, it was was a dream. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Just Gandalf's seems like, like, you were there. You yeah. didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess Gandalf is like, let me see. Yeah, all he says is, well, I mean, that dream didn't really do me much help because at that point I was already trapped. But <laughs> So I guess Gandalf is like, hmm, interesting revelations here. You have dreams about things that are happening currently to me. I wonder what that'll mean in the future. So <laughs> I wrote my next note is, did Tolkien grow up on a farm or something? Because he talks a lot about horses. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, Gandalf getting his horse. I forgot about that scene and how much I liked it until you mentioned this. Because like <laughs> Gandalf's like, oh yeah, then the eagle rescued me. Totally awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Flies Quick, yeah. around. Quick side note, giant eagle came, rescued him. Cool. Cool beans. <laughs> it no doesn't need, deal. doesn't need much more explanation than that. And frankly, we, we never get any more than that. Just like the but eagles owed me one. That, that's a, there's there's also some Hobbit reference in there as well. Uh, the eagles yeah. make a, a Hobbit appearance. But one of my favorite my favorite passages in this whole chapter is Gandalf describing his horse Shadowfax. Yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful. By the day, prince his of coat, all horses. It's the prince please. of all horses. By day, his coat glistens like silver, and by night, it is like a shade, and he passes unseen. Light is his footfall. Never before had any man mount- mounted him, but I took him and I tamed him, and like. I just tireless, swift as the flowing wind. Like that's beautiful. That's beautiful imagery about horses the are so horses. majestic and wonderful creatures. And Shadowfax is the best one, and that's He's just the true. Best. Actually, yeah, he just spends a lot of time in this book talking. Dedicate. There's a lot of time dedicated to ponies. Horses are always getting complimented in this book so yeah. far. Well, and the other thing is that in an earlier chapter, all the writers uh, scare off all of the horses and other like I guess cows and other they use the word beasts but anyway and they get scared off and at some point in the chapter Tolkien gives an update on like what happened to the horses and you learn that like the horses eventually found their way back to Tom Bombadil and they're all being taken care of and they're with they're with the other horse fatty lumpkins oh yeah and like he like there are so many words in this book and Tolkien 
took a paragraph of those words to give us an, a horse update. I think a lot of this comes from Tolkien is a um, he was a World War One vet. And uh, in World War One, uh, horses were extremely important as as um, not just like beasts of burden, but as as tools and uh, and like companions throughout World War One. That plus he grew he did grow up in the countryside outside uh, Birmingham, I believe. And I think he does have a very special kinship to to nature and to horses specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's also it's interesting you bring up that he was a World War One vet because my previous guest makes or points out that some not criticisms or I guess reviews or something when people like analyze Lord of the Rings they make a lot of comparisons to World War One and mm-hmm. how it was before there was a World War Two. it was known as the Great War because it was yep. the biggest war anyone in the world had ever seen and yeah. in it's either this chapter or the previous one Gandalf calls what's happening now the war of the ring and it sounds very ominous and scary and Mm -hmm. it only makes sense that this is that Tolkien would kind of write about what happened to him and the world and everything through this this form of media I guess yeah yeah Tolkien has resisted uh, like or I guess had resisted uh that reading like he's like oh it's not really yeah (laughs) about my experience in war it's just a good story I wanted to tell um which which kind of raises the question of like death of the author and like well it's pretty clear that there's themes about war in here yeah. right and even if he didn't mean to put them in like here they are They're still there. It's definitely yeah. an right. important part of his psyche oh yeah. yeah for sure it's also it's so great that you that you bring that up because that's exactly what my previous guest said that <laughs> nice that's that awesome. Tolkien was adamant about like this isn't about world war one <laughs> and everyone else is like i mean i mean it's like have, it have you read it have you read your own books anyway so as gandalf is riding on this illustrious creature of a horse called what's his name shadowfax yeah, he's yeah. So he rides Shadowfax and and he makes it back to Bree, but Frodo's yeah. already gone, right? Like, yeah. Why did I put my hopes with the innkeeper? Yeah. What was <laughs> I thinking? Yeah. So on his ride there, oh, where is it? Because he makes some dumb comment about like his name is Butterbur, so I will roast his butter. I will oh roast gosh. the old fool over a slow fire. Yeah, <laughs> he's so good. Yeah, and he's thinking like, I wonder if. Butterbur ever got that note to the Shire, which, spoiler alert, he didn't. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and he says, Butterbur, they call him, thought I. If this delay was his fault, I will melt all the butter in him. I will roast the old fool over a slow fire, which (laughs) I was looking forward to immensely because (laughs) I was so frustrated and like, that's the reason why Gandalf isn't here? Are you telling me that's why we're in all this trouble? As you can tell, I'm getting worked up again. Anyway, and so I was like, I was really looking forward to the roasting of Barlamin Butterbur or Butterbur Barlamin. I don't remember his. Bar- Barlamin Butterbur. Su- such a ridiculous man. I have to force myself to say Butterbur because my Harry Potter brain replaces it with Butterbeer. Butterbeer. Yeah. Butterbeer. 
<laughs> and anyway, and so he gets there and Butterbird is like crying and he's like, I'm so sorry, I forgot. And Gandalf <laughs> feels bad and is like, okay, I won't roast you. Fine. Oh my gosh. So that's when we find out that Gandalf, at this point in the story, Gandalf is like a day behind the hobbits and Aragorn. Because at this point, Aragorn and the hobbits had just left that morning. This is where I'm kind of like, I feel like the plot and their paths don't really track or line up because, oh wait, no. So basically I was like, well, if Gandalf was like a day behind them, wouldn't he have caught up to them at some point? At some point he gets ahead of them and it's because he's on horseback and the hobbits don't have horses at that point. I love it when I answer my own questions. So, <laughs> Look, just print the map and follow along. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> because he, uh, he leaves he leaves the symbol on Weathertop. He leaves yeah. his, um, his little thing that's like, hey, I was here. If you're on your way, you're going the right way kind of thing. Yeah. And he gets there and I believe he gets attacked by um, or surrounded by riders. And this is once again where it was in, I guess, chapter 10 or 11. At this point, from the Hobbit's perspective, they see like a flash of lightning happening in the fort in the background. And I'm... I was like, okay, that's probably Gandalf. And then <laughs> here it is. It was Gandalf. So, <laughs> so, I mean, so far I'm doing pretty good with like whenever they reference lightning or white being like mysterious. I'm like, it's probably Gandalf. So. It's probably Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of leads some of the riders off the, off the Hobbit's trail so that there's only five of them when they attack the hobbits instead of all nine of them. And then we eventually catch up to the point that we are at now. And then they bring up our good old man, Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Why oh, isn't he here? He could fix this. Because he's they, hanging out with Goldberry, his beautiful wife. Yes. <laughs> he would and not and all the ponies and fatty lumpkins. <laughs> I just, I love, I love that Tolkien wrote himself into a corner with this character that's like unbelievably yes. old, unimaginably powerful, immune yes. to the ring. He's like, well, he can't. He, he won't. He, won't. <laughs> he just doesn't he want to. Wanna. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. So in the Tom Bombadil chapter, I said, I was like, why doesn't Tom Bombadil just go with them? I was like, I feel like Tom Bombadil will be a great character to have around at some point in the future. (laughs) And the person who was on that episode was just like, Tom Bombadil is his own thing. He is his own, like, he is in his own world and... And everyone else is just living in it. And we kind of, we just learn more about, we just get a lot more information that adds to the folklore that is Tom Bombadil. And Elrond says, so like, oh, I knew him by another name that meant oldest and fatherless. Mm -hmm. And he names like all, and he says, he is a strange creature, but maybe I should have summoned him to our council. He would not have come, said Gandalf. And I'm like, that... Like, throughout the chapter, they're like, but, I mean, could we at least send him a note and see what he says? And Gandalf is like, trust me, he wouldn't come. (laughs) He won't. He won't roll up. 
but this this is something that Tolkien gets a lot, and it not just about Tom Bombadil. And like, there are things that could fix the problem that don't happen because then the story wouldn't happen, right? Like, yeah, why yeah. don't they just call the police in the haunted house? Because then there wouldn't be a story. There wouldn't, it wouldn't be a <laughs> yeah. horror movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's a big criticism that that gets thrown at Tolkien a lot. Like, uh, like, but what about this very simple solution? And it's like, well, yeah. you're ignoring the history that that Tolkien's laying out and like he he tries to give you very good reasons why the simple version doesn't work but also it's yeah. a story like, you want story let's yeah. hear how the stories go uh, how, the, how the characters go on a fun quest instead of just this really easy thing where the superpower yeah. guy saves the day yeah and so they ask like they're like well if the ring didn't affect Tom Bombadil because back in the Tom Bombadil chapter he picks up the ring and puts it on and nothing happens. I don't know if he, I don't know remember if he actually puts it on or if he just oh he just like a sleight of hand magic trick with it with yeah. it like yeah. it's like it's a quarter and not an evil ring treats it like it's nothing yeah and so the fact that they he is not affected by the ring at all they're like well why don't we just give it to him and keep it in the old forest that he commands and it'll be safe there and they make the point that that's just that's just putting another band-aid on the situation it's not a permanent fix and then Elrond says this epic line. Now at last this we must take a hard road, a road unforeseen. There lies our hope, if hope it be, to walk into peril to Mordor. We must send the ring to the fire. <laughs> yes. Heck yeah. So good. Um, they just kind of keep going back and forth between like, well, we can't destroy it because we don't have enough powers here to do that. And we can't send it elsewhere. And so what do we do? The solution is to walk into Mordor, which... As we know, one does not simply walk into Mordor. And just. <laughs> and and Boromir, just. Boromir has this bright idea right about here where he's like, but what if we used it? And they're like, Boromir, yeah. who invited you to this? You're not <laughs> yeah. important enough. Yeah, gosh, Boromir. We can't, and it should be obvious why not. They're like, I mean, technically, yeah, we could, but the ring corrupts whoever has it and all it would do is make one of us evil and then you would have to defeat that person and then that person would become evil we just need to destroy the source of the evil yeah just end the cycle pretty sure gandalf it's probably gandalf honestly yep it's gandalf yeah gandalf says we should seek a final end of this menace even if we do not hope to make one basically they're all like this is these are the times that try men's souls (laughs) Yeah, basically, essentially, we're learning here that because we've been following the hobbits for so long, then who don't know, but this war, it, this is not the beginning of the War of the Ring. We are in the middle of the War of the Ring. People are already mm-hmm. fighting and dying and being tortured about this ring. And it's time now that everybody steps up. It's time. It's time now to to do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Let's go do the thing. <laughs> yeah. And Aerosaur says something about like, this, we are either leading ourselves to doom or this is absolute, this is just ridiculousness. And Gandalf says, I just really liked this quote. Um, how we were talking earlier about how like he kind of talks in poetry just all the time. 
Mm-hmm. It says despair or folly. It is not despair, for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We do not. It is wisdom to recognize necessity when all other courses have been weighed. Though as folly it may appear to those who cling to false hope. Well, let folly be our cloak, a veil before the eyes of the enemy. I love that. It's let so gorgeous. Be our cloak. You're like, yeah, he's like, yeah, this is absurd and kind of ridiculous, but like at this point, absurd and ridiculous is what we have to go on. And and absurd and ridiculous is all that can work because if it sounds so ridiculous it couldn't possibly work, then they're going to be able to sneak it through. And yeah. and that's that's I think why the obvious answers will not work for Tolkien. He's like, no, because they'd stop that somehow. Yeah. yeah. The real answer is the absurd one. Yeah, but- yeah. Like they say they can't go west because the elves have been known to flee west and then they can't go back east towards the Shire and all these. And they basically just start narrowing it down. They're like, basically, the only path is to Mordor. We, we shall see what happens to our heroes. Boy, howdy. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet it's a, I bet it's a smooth, short journey that has <laughs> yeah, no struggles. It's over real quick. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so they're like, all right, this was started by a halfling. I guess it has to end by a halfling. And yeah, like we were talking about before, this is when Bilbo's like, all right, I get it. I see what you're getting at. And they're like, no, not at all. And then Frodo volunteers as tribute. That's my my that is my favorite passage in this in this chapter. The it's separated in my copy at least. Um, it's kind of set on its own. But the paragraphs yeah, don't too. tend to have um a lot of like breaks between them. It's not like a lot of paragraph breaks, but here on its own, this paragraph is set aside where Frodo, this is my, this is my favorite, the line here, um, a great dread fell on him as if he was awaiting the pronouncement of some doom that he had long foreseen and vainly hoped might after all never be spoken. An overwhelming longing to rest and remain at peace by Bilbo's side in Riverdale filled all his heart. At last with an effort, he spoke and wondered to hear his own words as if some other will was using his small voice. I will take the ring, he said, though I do not know the way. I adore that passage and the like super quiet bravery that Frodo has where he Mm -hmm. just people paid on Frodo a lot. You'll discover the further into this fandom you get, the more crap that people give Frodo. (laughs) But this is such a beautiful moment where he he feels the dread and he feels the fear and he accepts it anyways. And I think that's just incredible. I'm reminded of a line from Newsies that says, <laughs> courage does not erase our fears. Courage is when we face our fears. Nice. Aww. I know, isn't that it's a really good, good line? Yeah, it is a great line. Newsies is a great musical. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's when Sam jumps up. Which, by the way, it's like, oh, did you remember Sam? Neither did I. <laughs> oh, so cute. He's like, you, you're not going to go without me, age. right? <laughs> he says, but you won't send him off alone, surely, master. And I love El- Elrond's response is like, no, he's not going alone because you're going too. <laughs> and then Sam says, a nice pickle we have landed ourselves in, Mr. Frodo. So that cute. Is, oh. That is the end, end of, chapter. of chapter two, book two, the Council of Elrond. Holy cow, y'all. I 
cannot believe that that's that's the end it sounds like it sounds like the end of to go back to sitcoms it sounds like the end of a sitcom like oops, oops we goof <laughs> and then the theme song would start yeah, playing free, like they do a hot like a um saved by the bell like jump in the air yeah. high five, freeze frame a Seinfeld baseline plays as they shrug into the camera, and then and then the credits roll, and then we pick up next week, and all is well, and they're back in the Shire. <laughs> yes, but but honestly, now now that we're through the council, uh, the number of characters that you've met, most of them are not important anymore. Um, uh, there are so <laughs> yes. Wave goodbye to Glorfindel, bye, Glorfindel. for a long You're time. Glorfindel. <laughs> bye, Arrestor. <laughs> bye, um, bye, Gloin. Bye, you know, bye. You know. These these uh, guys. These guys do not that's matter. They're gonna, that's I like, mean, wh- they're only important while we're in Rivendell. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say going back to like our sitcom references here. Like it's like when there's an entire episode they take to dedicate to like a random side character who shows up for an episode and mm-hmm. then you never see them again and you're like well why did we waste an entire episode revolving around that character well that brings us to the end of this but I'm sure is probably going to be a much longer episode than usual holy cow that's a lot and we didn't even like go into all of it either like there's a lot that i like skimmed over but anyway what would you guys like to plug you can find us on twitter at happy places pod is the uh is the official show twitter yeah and we're we're always on twitter uh you can find me at buddy underscore duquesne duquesne is spelled d-u-q-u-e-s-n-e and i'm on twitter and instagram at alice white thp for those happy places (laughs) um we're also you can go to those happy places.com and find all of the the episodes and 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 stuff like that it's uh it's a lot of fun to make and a lot of fun to do that's what i'm talking about is a production of bacon and eggs you can learn more about them by going to bacon and eggs.media the cover is by graphite aka vaishan brandon you can support him on instagram at graphite.vmb you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Tolkien About Pod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwatt416 and Instagram at mcturndownforwatt. If you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. I've always forget to say this, and now I'm rem- remembering it because when I go back and see that someone has left a review or a rating, it just makes me so happy. So <laughs> please do that if you want to be nice. If you're going to be mean, then don't do it. And then also, finally, I uh, want to show my thanks and appreciation for all of you who are listening right now in the beginning of this thing uh, and supporting me in these first couple episodes. And if you are interested in receiving a surprise in the mail, please follow the link in the episode description. Oh, that's a lot of announcements. And now I'm done. So with that being said, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Nothing except thank you so much for having us on this show. We had a really great time. Uh, I personally have not read Lord of the Rings in forever. Like I said, this is the chapter that stopped me. So I'm actually back into it and I'm going to be a Lord of the Rings fan from now on. Um, nice. And I had I had a really good time preparing and recording for the episode, so I can't wait to share it with everybody when it Yay. comes out. Yeah, yeah. this is awesome. really fun. Thank you. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs>